like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got a delightful guest for today's Song of the Soul. Sue Orfield is an energetic part of so many bands and performing groups that she has trouble counting them all on her fingers and maybe even her toes. There's the Sue Orfield Band, of course, and you also find her with the Tiptons as part of Acoustahu, Combo Flambe, and many other groups. Likewise, Sue thrives on and pours passion into a wide range of types of music, though the word on the streets of the Chippewa Valley of Wisconsin is that she's especially gifted at getting folks moving to swing music. The saxophone is her tool of choice, and she joins me today right here on Home Ground in Eau Claire. Sue, it's an absolute delight to have you here for Song of the Soul. Thank you, Mark. It's nice to be here. You've had a busy Christmas season. I think you were out on tour last month. How did that go? It was really fun. I was on tour with the Tipton Saxophone Quartet on the West Coast. We played some really nice shows and were well-received, and yeah, I love playing with that band, so it was great. Can you clarify some things for me, Sue? You're part of the Sue Orfield Band, obviously, because it's got your name in it. The Tiptons are another thing. How many multiple personalities do you have? I play with a lot of different people, and I actually think that I have my own personality in all of them, but I'm trying to think, you're asking me how many, and I would have to really take a second to count that. I mean, probably locally here, I play with maybe 10 different groups. There's two or three groups in the Minneapolis-St. Paul that I play with. There's a couple that play all over the state, like Deepwater Reunion. And then locally, there's Katya's Trio, there's Radadada, there's the Sue Orfield Band, and the occasional pickup gig, there's my new little acoustic group called Acoustic Who. And then, of course, I do some touring as well. So it's a lot, I guess. It's what variety is the spice of life. And caffeine is the fuel of variety, I think it must be. <laughs> How can you possibly do all that? It's quite amazing. I want to get people started on your music right away for Song of the Soul. Why don't you give us one of your songs and maybe we'll start getting an idea of who this multiple performing personality is, who really is Sue Arfield. Great. Well, I think we should start with one of the first recordings I did of my own music when I was in Seattle. I lived in Seattle for almost 15 years. The first band that I sort of started with the intent of playing my original music was called Four Out of Five Doctors. And it was bass, guitar, drums, and sax. And uh, we put out a record. That's a pretty good recording, I think. This first song that we're going to play is a song that I wrote called Plastico Flamingo. And how far back does this go? When was your sojourn in Seattle? I moved to Seattle in 1990. And I moved back here to the Midwest in 2004. This group, Four to Five Doctors, I think I started it in 1994 or 1995. And do you want to give us any clue on why it's called Plastico Flamenco? 
it's got a little bit of a Latin flavor, but actually the, the bass player of the group, whose name was John Kessler, it still is John Kessler, he actually named the song, and I just thought it was a funny title. So it doesn't have any personal meaning, um, but I chose this song for this program because it's a, a recording that this band did all in one take. And because it was sort of my first project, it has a lot of meaning to me. The whole process of how to record was still pretty new to me at the time. First song for Sue Orfield, Song of the Soul, Plastico Flamenco. It's by her group over in Seattle, Four Out of Five Doctors, Plastico Flamenco.
group is Four Out of Five Doctors. Song is Plastico Flamenco, written by Sue Orfield here with us today for Song of the Soul. I've wondered about jazz. I'm not musical particularly myself. I've played some guitar over the years, and I've actually written some songs, but I'm not educated in music at all. And jazz is a completely foreign world to most of music, as far as I can understand it. One of the things that I wonder about is, does jazz have different time signatures than most of American music? Because, you know, like almost all American songs are two, three, or four, four, you know, just one of those. I'm used to dancing, international folk dance, to Balkan rhythms that are extremely different. Are there time signatures to jazz in the same way, or how does that go? First of all, to talk about what's the, you know, anything under the umbrella of jazz, you sort of first have to define it. And that's the most difficult thing, I think. I can throw in a definition real quick. Josh White Jr., when he was performing one time, he told me that jazz is when you play a rift, you know, just go do, 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 down, and you get a note that's discordant often, and you legitimize it by repeating it. That's jazz. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, then it seems to me that different time signatures would totally fit into that. <laughs> Uh, in in jazz and you know of course if you talk to any musician in any world they are going to define the music that they play by their own set of rules there isn't a common definition for real about what is jazz what is blues what is rock is it rock and roll all of those things the definitions are really 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 hard to come by and to get a whole group a community of musicians to agree on the definitions is a difficult thing to do but with the understanding that what most people think of as jazz is we think we have a sound in our head for the most part there's a lot of music that lives in that world that has odd time signatures and so the answer to your the short answer would be yes but i don't think it's exclusive to jazz the tiptons this group that I was just on tour with comes to mind. We are lumped into the jazz world because we're instrumental and we're improvisational, but we don't have a traditional jazz sound because we're four saxophones and drums. Still, we would be considered jazz by most people. So there you go. We play in just all kinds of different time signatures, just as many as you can dream up with varying time signatures. Uh, Jessica had written a song a while ago that was like one bar of seven, two bars of eight, two bars of seven, one bar of eight, or something like that. Some crazy, constantly changing time signatures that doesn't even remain the same for eight bars. Well, one thing I know about you, Sue, is that you teach music. You teach people various instruments. Can you teach jazz? I was thinking when the question came to me, I realized that that would be sort of like trying to teach someone Zen or memorizing Zen. Normally, music, you can memorize the notes. Can you memorize jazz in the same way? No, probably not. I think the one thing that you could agree on if you were to try to define jazz is that it's constantly changing. So that nixes the idea of memorizing it. The whole concept is that most forms of jazz have improvisation in it. It's either group improvisation or improvisation by one member of the group. At least that's usually contained in it, so there, there's nothing to memorize. You're making it up as you go. So you can teach it, but you teach how to make stuff up as you go. So it sounds to me like you grew up teething on jazz. Is this where you grew up musically? Actually, no. Having grown up in Menominee, Wisconsin... I was exposed to a lot of different music by my folks. They played big band music in the house, but I listened to a lot of country music. And uh, when I was in the fourth grade, I fell in love with the Stalla Brothers. 
And throughout my musical high school career, I think I owned or my folks owned every single album that the Statler Brothers ever made. And I knew every single lyric and I could sing along with every song. <laughs> I was kind of a freak about that. And of course, I started to branch out once I got into high school. There were all kinds of other musics that started to interest me. But that was definitely the, probably the first big influence. So anyway, the next song that I've chosen for this show is a beautiful song. It's a traditional song called Shenandoah that the Statler Brothers did a beautiful arrangement of. I could have chosen any number of Statler Brothers songs. They wrote their own music, and that even still today I think is really neat. They wrote a lot of really good songs. This one is not one of theirs, but it's just a beautiful arrangement of a traditional sort of folk song called Shenandoah. Oh, Shenandoah I long to see
That was, of course, Shenandoah. It was by the Statler Brothers, chosen by Sue Orfield for her Song of the Soul today. Sue, great song. And, of course, you know, I grew up on that. I'm more than 10 years older than you. So I grew up, I think, in, in grade school, we maybe learned Shenandoah. It's one of those traditional folk songs. The Statler Brothers version is so different. I think of you as being intimately connected to the jazz world. And that song, even though it comes out of country, it's got uh, something that I would say is on the way. It's like the seed on the way to jazz in it. The way that they do the harmonies makes me think of jazz in some way. Did that have some connection for you? I mean, I don't assume that the Statler Brothers did anything that we normally call jazz. Yeah, I don't think anybody would call them jazz. They were purely country. But if you listen to their albums, and I will address the Shenandoah in a minute because, yeah, it's a great arrangement. The Statler Brothers actually had, over the course of the years, all kinds of different instrumentation that you don't find generally in country music. They would use horns occasionally. They had stuff that really tended more to almost Dixieland and bluegrass. So they had this sort of wide-ranging sensibility of how to present their own songs. It was Shenandoah, the thing that I love about that, first of all, mostly a cappella and the tambourine in there, which just gives it this sort of sparkle and the harmonies, all of those make the song beautiful to me. And it's funny, you should mention the harmonies and sort of in the jazz world. I don't know if that connected for me in the jazz world. I didn't listen to it that way. I just appreciated it. And probably as a little kid listened to it, you know, 20 times in a row, just because it moved me. When you listen to this stuff as a kid, which is when I was really listening to the Statler Brothers, all of the lyrics aren't necessarily making sense to you. You're not necessarily taking them in and wondering what they mean. You can sing along with the lyrics, but there's a, the deeper meaning behind the lyrics for me that didn't register necessarily. It was the sound of the recording and the sound of the, how the lyrics rolled off the tongue and all of that for me that drew me to that recording in particular. Now, as a listener in my adult life, the lyrics move me in a much different way, maybe just because I'm able to hear them and understand that somebody actually put them down on pen and paper. You know, somebody wrote those lyrics and they meant them. But that didn't dawn on me until, I, until much later in life, really. After I had moved out to Seattle, at that point in my life, I was then 23 or 24 years old. I had listened to, as, had starting to listen to as much different kinds of music as possible, pop, jazz, world music. This next song that I'm going to have Mark play for you, uh, I, I chose this because, again, Alanis Morissette had a huge impact on me musically, all of her music, really. And this particular song, because the whole package is so interesting, the lyrics are great, the melody is great, I think the harmony is great, all of that. But primarily I wanted to include Alanis Morissette in this package of songs because of a sort of revelation I had watching her perform... Uh, my partner and I, Larry, at the time had a DVD of a bunch of live footage of Alanis Morissette. And I used to watch her perform and just be sort of amazed at how present she was in her performance and how she was clearly doing exactly what she was meant to do. And then I happened to see, you know, like a guess who this was then sort of TV show. And they had featured Alanis Morissette and they showed her as a young 16 or 17 year old girl who was singing country and it wasn't really working. I mean, she was singing country and it just wasn't her. She had on cowboy boots and she had on, you know, she had the big hair and it was crazy because if you know anything about Alanis Morissette now, she's like this serious rocker girl. <laughs> and so for me, 
understanding that's where she came from and then looking at where she had arrived. For me, it was like an earmarker to understand that she was doing what she was supposed to do. And that was important to me and important to my soul for real. And as an artist, it's easy to be distracted. It's easy to be sent in another direction. Maybe the money puts you there, whatever. So that's why I chose this song. It's called Uninvited. Like anyone would be, I am flattered by your fascination with me. Like any hot blooded woman, I have simply wanted an object to crave. But you, you're not alone. You're uninvited, an unfortunate Yeah. 
Uninvited, Alanis Morissette. That was selected by Sue Orfield for her Song of the Soul. Her website is sueorfield.com. You can hear her perform in a number of guises, both locally around the Chippewa Valley of Wisconsin and nationally when she tours with groups like the Tiptons. We have the good fortune of having her here today with us for Song of the Soul. She chose Alanis Morissette, and she explained that before. You didn't say anything particular about Uninvited, particularly in terms of its lyrics. I tend to be lyric-centric because I'm not musically talented in the same way you are, I think. And that song, one of the things I was trying to tease apart was who the other person she was talking to about the you're not invited. And saying that's unfortunate slight, what was going on in your mind when you were listening to that song? I originally heard that song in a movie. It's actually part of a soundtrack to The City of Angels featuring Nick Cage and Meg Ryan. The song, for me, the lyrics make me think of the movie. So that's the short answer to your question. Who's Uninvited is the angel. Nick Cage plays an angel, a fallen angel, falls in love with Meg Ryan. Can't remember their names in the movie. So this is basically saying, you, you, I didn't want you to do this. You're not invited and yet here you are and... So this sort of haunting melody that you just heard with these lyrics, for me, conjure up the movie to a certain degree. Because I know that you're an instrumentalist, that you know when you're out there wailing on the sax, you're in the music, but you're not in the lyrics. Yet you mentioned way back, you know, memorizing and singing all the lyrics for the Statler Brothers. How does your attraction go with respect to lyrics? Would you really like it if these instrumental things that you were putting together, these compositions, these creations, if you could embody them also with lyrics? That's a really good question because as a composer, there are times when I've written a melody or the whole complete song and it sort of cries out for lyrics. I actually do write lyrics. There are, I have you know, a handful of songs that have lyrics. Most of the time I end up playing them instrumentally. <laughs> but what my attraction to lyrics, and that is, it's, I don't know if it's complicated, but it's definitely an interesting play. Like what do you sing and what do you play instrumentally? And when I write, are the lyrics in my head? Sometimes there are. Sometimes people have offered, hey, I would really write, like to write lyrics to this melody of yours. I've had people try, and it's n- none of them have ever rung a complete bell, I think, because of the attachment to how it speaks instrumentally. So there's a thing that happens when there are no lyrics and how you listen to music that you're allowed to do your own thing in your head and imagine what you want to imagine, whereas lyrics direct you more to a certain degree about how to listen to the song. So I don't know if that answers your question. It's an interesting question, though, for sure, and one that's constantly in my mind because I love the idea that there are lyrics that also bring you closer to the music. It's just not how I write, and mostly because I really don't know how. You know, I kind of have them in my head, but I love to listen to lyrics. Good lyrics are a wonderful thing. Well, one of the things that I do with my guests typically on Song of the Soul is to ask them something about their religious spiritual background. Obviously, music is intimately woven with your spiritual traveling, your being, your the essence of your soul. Anything about the religious or other overtones of your spiritual life that you care to share so we have a little bit more background on who Sue Orfield is? I feel like I didn't have a clear spiritual path as such until I moved back here. I moved back here to Wisconsin because I had problems with addiction, and I screwed up my life pretty good in Seattle. I sort of moved back here to try to put the pieces back together and kind of start over. And at the time, I really had no idea 
what life had in store for me. It was really, I was in survival mode and that's it. And I got involved with the 12 step program here, sort of discovered what spirituality is for me and was able to put more of a spin on my own personal spirituality. I guess I was able to articulate it more because of the 12 step program and because I wasn't being an addict anymore. Now that I'm here, I am more aware of the choices that are put in front of me day to day, and able they're just more at the forefront of my mind, and uh, also feel very much as though the universe has handed me a second chance at life, and for that I have... I have so much to be grateful for. Uh, there's so much amazing things that have happened since I came back here. And you, you wouldn't think that moving to a, a smaller town, a much smaller town than where I was living before, would open up the opportunities that it has. But it's been amazing, mostly, I think, because I've uh, I'm, I'm got my head out of my butt. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, I'm glad you've got your head in open air. <laughs> And I hope that that one step after another, the see the clear leading ahead. I mean, that, that kind of spiritual discernment is a great gift. Maybe a bit as an aside about my own journey, one of the things that I learned is that there's a place inside where the divine belongs, where God belongs. And if I put anything else in that, and that can be an addiction of the typical sort, you know, drug or alcohol or work, or it could be TV, it can be... And in my case, I was putting a relationship with the woman who's now my wife in that place, and it was screwing me up. And I found that divine place I had to have just the divine in and then I could do the rest of my life so much better. So I'm I'm just so thankful to see that you found the right center around which to evolve your life. And it's looking good on you, I've got to say. I think that you talk about that divine center, and I have to say that it's not always easy for me to rem- – it was nice to hear your – be reminded of it with your story because there's there are times when you lose track of that and I'm back fully in the swing of a, a really nice life again and it's easy to, to forget that you have to keep that center that uh, and that's the thing that got you here in the first place uh, which so I'm um, thank you for reminding me of that and with that in mind why don't you remind us some more of your spiritual journey through your music give us another song I would love to thank you uh, this next song that we're going to play is a song that was recorded just a little over a year ago with my band here in Eau Claire, the Sue Orfield Band. And I wrote this song for a friend of mine who did not win her battle with cancer. This is an old roommate of mine in Seattle, actually. Her name was Lacey. Good friend for many, many years. Found out in October of 2010 that she was not going to make it. And this song really just presented itself to me. I don't. I didn't have a bunch to do with it. <laughs> I was taking a walk one day thinking about Lacey and this song came to me and uh, we, we carved it out with my band and I felt a really urgent need to record it and send it to her. And we did manage to get that done before she died. And But I think of her and, uh, you know, the battle to fight cancer is so present in our society, and it's crazy there how many people this this actually applies to, if, as, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, so this is a song that I wrote basically for my friend Lacey called "Fight the Good Fight." Mm-hmm. 
the Sue Orfield Band with the song by Sue Orfield called Fight the Good Fight for Lacey. It's a beautiful... I, I heard it as a requiem when I was listening to it. I didn't know the history about your friend, but I, I heard church bells chiming, and I saw a procession of people traveling around this Lacey, lifting her up. And so I, I think you did a good job of that with that song. That's good to hear. It came it came through. That's that was basically it. It's a little hard when you when you write songs for me so specific. Uh, you don't know how it's going to translate to the listener. And like I said, I say I wrote that song, but honestly, I don't know how much I had to do with it. There are sometimes when you know it just appears <laughs> when you're writing, and you know, yes, I'm the one who put it down on paper. But this one was really clear to me without a lot of effort. It was just there. Let's keep moving through your song of the soul. We've got uh, some more music, I think, to share. And where shall we transition to next? We're now moving along to sort of my current musical passion, which has been acoustic, more acoustic music. I'm passionate right now about songs and music that are just a little bit, maybe, I don't know if the word is more back porch. That's probably not the right word, but smaller sounding, maybe less produced. And with that in mind, I wanted to play something by Alison Krauss. Her music, along with her band's music, Alison Krauss and Union Station, has been in the last couple of years just, you know, that's the thing that I'm into right now. <laughs> I, you know, I do, tra- I travel through all sorts of things and different kinds of musical things that move me at the moment. And then I try not to do too much editing of that. And I try not to figure out why it's moving me because I don't want to destroy it. <laughs> I just let it move me. So Alison Krauss and Union Station have been really a big part of my life in the last couple of years. This particular song is a song actually not done by her band, but it's on her solo record. A Hundred Miles or More is the name of the record. It was written by a fellow fiddler. It's a beautiful song, and this one has just lyrics that are stunning to me, and there's one lyric in there, which is actually why I picked it for this show. The lyric in there that I love is, peace is a gift that must come from within. And it's a really a fairly dark song, I think, about someone viewing their where they've come from and, and how they've managed to live through it. And, of course, that touches me because of my own path. <laughs> and also, Alison Krauss' voice uh, kills me. And the beautiful violin slash fiddle, whatever you want to call that, at the end of this song, just very moving to me. And the whole thing really is a, a beautiful piece of art, I think. The name of this song is Get Me Through December, as performed by Alison Krauss. How pale is the sky that brings forth the rain As the changing of seasons prepares me again For the long bitter nights and the wild winter's day Tracks in the snow Where souls have 
That was Allison Krauss, Get Me Through December. You're here today for Song of the Soul, and I'm your host, Mark Helps Meet, for this Northern Spirit Radio production. My website is northernspiritradio.org, and on the site you'll find six and a half years worth of wonderful programs with wonderful people, musicians and activists and all kinds of people doing good things in the world. You'll also find links to those guests, and you will find a place to leave comments and Please give us feedback. Make this a two-way communication. It's so helpful when you do. Again, northernspiritradio.org. Today we have Sue Orfield here today with us for Song of the Soul. and She's sharing the music of her spiritual path or her spiritual inner reality. Some of it's her own music. She does music in many guises around the world and around here in the Chippewa Valley where we both happen to be located. Last one was by Alison Krauss, and the line that you commented on, Sue, that specifically resonated for you, that peace is something that comes from within. I think that 12-step groups are in themselves a spiritual community. Is that your unique or main spiritual community? Do you have other connections? Did you grow up religious at all? I did not grow up terribly religious. I did get confirmed as a Lutheran. When I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school. But it didn't resonate in the same way as this little community that I now find myself in. I would have to say that the 12-step program that I'm involved with has been the springboard for my spirituality. And yes, those groups in those little rooms, they're about people getting together and trying to make their life better. That's the point. And also, at the same time, repair maybe damages that they've done. So for me, it's sort of just a a springboard of how to approach life and how to be the best person you can be. And that, I think, is what now defines my spirituality to a certain degree. Well, as I said before, it looks good. It looks like you're living out the right thing. And that is a good thing to see. The clock's running out. Time for one last song. Oh, I thought I would end this segment with a current song that uh, I've recently recorded and actually recently written. The track that you're going to hear next is by the Tipton's Saxophone Quartet and Drums. Uh, It's four female saxophone players and a drummer. And this is the group that I tour all over the world with. It's a really neat group playing groove, jazz, and world music, world folk music. We do a lot of that, and we write a lot of stuff from just really all over the map. This particular song that I wrote, it got its title. I was I was writing this neat little tune, and uh, at the same time, I had been doing a recording up in the cities for a woman named Holly Long. I had been writing the horn parts for her record. And at the end of the recording, she had gone onto Facebook and posted something nice about every single person who was on this record, which was really neat. And so she did it alphabetically. So she just started at the top and, and wrote her impressions. It was a really nice shout-out to everybody on the record. In presenting myself to her, I was kind of trying to be, you know, I didn't know any of these other people on this record, or very few of them, and I was sort of trying to present myself as as cool. (laughs) And uh, so I, I failed at that, apparently, because what she wrote about me on Facebook was, she said, Sue Orfield lets her inner pippy shine. And I thought it was, it's actually a very nice thing to say, but it would it doesn't make me seem cool. But oh well. So anyway, I thought that was a funny phrase, and, and so I, I titled this song, and it's really quite perfect title for the song. I titled it Inner Pippy. So this is that song as played by the Tipton's saxophone quartet and drums. 
you were all up dancing to that one, The Inner Pippy by the Tipton Saxophone Quartet and Drums song by Sue Orfield here today with us for Song of the Soul. Thanks so much for that song. One thing I had to ask, I have never read a Pippi Longstockings book, although in elementary school I sat through at least a dozen book reports about Pippi Longstocking. I take it you read them. I have not read the book Maybe at some point I should, since I keep telling that story about how this song got named. (laughs) I just have an impression of who Pippi Longstocking is and was. She's a cute, redheaded girl with pigtails, but her appearance belies her sort of ability to to get the job done, whatever. She's cute, but she's tough, sort of. That's that's the impression that I have. Well, Sue, it's been just a a total joy to be with someone who's cute and tough. (laughs) But it's been so great having you here today for Song of the Soul. It's been really nice chatting with you, Mark. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sue Orfield was my guest for Song of the Soul today. Track her down at sueorfield.com or follow the link from my northernspiritradio.org. And let's gather next week for Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Letting the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul